Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to a special 9-11 Memorial episode. I'm your host, Brian Bisking, and this is the STL Leaders Podcast. You know, over the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about what I could do to help remember the anniversary of 9-11 in the last 20 years. So I reached out to a friend, Bo Matthews, and I asked him to help me co-host this special 9-11 episode. Join us today as we look back at the last 20 years, the sacrifices that were given, the lives that were taken on September 11, 2001, and the victims of the military over the last 20 years in the war in Afghanistan. We will remember Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz today, and we will remember all those who paid the ultimate sacrifice to give us the freedoms that we have today and be able to live the life that we live. I hope that everybody enjoys this episode, and more importantly, I hope everybody remembers that we are one United States of America. Bo Matthews, welcome back to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you coming back today. Buddy, it is my honor. And uh, you said I was the first one to come back? First one to come back. Uh, I think I'd get an award for that or something. (laughs) Well, you were the 25th episode in season one. So that was a big honor. And now the first uh, first guest I've asked to come back. So uh, welcome. I am honored. And uh, man, you've been getting some great guests on your podcast, too. Um, there was, uh, several I, I've listened. I spent when I'm outside, uh, working in the yard and stuff, I just need something to listen to, to keep myself busy. Uh, yeah. because it's, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing menial work and that's when I listen to my podcast and I've learned so much from the St. Louis leaders podcast. Well, since you've been on, uh, well, shoot, that was 40 something episodes ago. You now are on KMOX, uh, and in, <laughs> in the day St. Louis talks, talk to us a little bit about that before we dive into this special episode we got today. Uh, you know, uh, as of this uh, date of this uh, recording, uh, we are 18 weeks into our show, and it was a big enchilada. We had big shoes to fill, which we would never do that, but when Rush Limbaugh passed away, there was a lot of uh, post-mortem uh, shows and best-ofs that they did from his re- uh, shows over the years, and as the management was coming together, they thought, okay, we're going to get uh, these three people together from different walks of life and get a perspective on what St. Louis is about. It's called St. Louis Talks. And we do talk about national headlines sometimes, but you get plenty of that, you know, pretty much anywhere you go. Um, so it's kind of nice to even, you know, look at, uh, you know, national headlines and how they relate to St. Louis, too. That's that's another way, of course, you know, with all the COVID mass mandates and all the stories we're hearing about vaccines and everything else. Um, it's hopefully a fresh, a fresh angle on a talk show. And what's nice is we're live and yeah. we can jump in if there's breaking news and. Uh, and that's happened quite a few times, actually, and we've been able to navigate that pretty well. So, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Absolutely. Well, this episode um, is a special episode, special to my heart. If anybody knows me, I am a, a proud patriot. I love this country. I love our military. Um, I, I I just love this country, um, plain and simple. And so when this episode airs, it'll be September 11th, 2021, 20 years from the date of the towers falling uh, on September 11, 2001. And so this is a special episode that you and I are co-hosting that we're doing together to honor um, the lives that were lost that day. Um, the last 20 years of war that we've been in that has just now recently ended um, to honor the 13 members who, who died um, just a week and a half ago um, in Afghanistan and our own hometown hero, Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz. We're going to honor him in this episode. So I'm excited to just try to do our part um, here in St. Louis to honor 
um, really everything that's happened the last 20 years in relation to the Twin Towers falling. And so I want to start there. Um, you and I were talking a little bit before we got on this uh, on the air here tonight about where we were uh, um, September 11th, 2001. And I Isn't can it? go ahead. And no, it's just one of those it's one of those moments in life that you just never forget. Yeah. And that was the mantra that we will never forget. And here we are 20 years later. And it seems like a lot of people have forget, but they're not everybody. A lot of people have not forgot about this. I literally can remember the exact. I, so I was at Bell Reef Country Club. Uh, the, if you remember, we were just chatting about this. The BMW Championship was at Bell Reef Country Club that week. Um, it was uh, Tuesday, if my memory serves me correctly. It was a it practice was. round. It was. it was a practice round. I was watching Tiger Woods putt on the practice green. Um, I had the opportunity to go there with my golf coach at the time. I was a big golfer back in high school. Um, and I got to skip school for the day. I thought I was a cool kid, got to skip school for the day and go to the, you know, go to the championship. And I was on the putting green watching tiger putt. And we were literally walking away, heading to the first tee. When I heard over the like PA system that the court was canceled, it was off, it was done. And I was, I was like, wait a minute, what? And before we had left that day, me and my golf coach, we were at Fox Creek Golf Course in Edwardsville, Illinois, and we had saw um, the first plane hit, um, or we heard that on the radio, I'm sorry, on the way there, we'd heard the first plane hit on the radio on our way to the course, and then the second plane hit while we're on the course. Um, And then they came over, you know, the announcement, and it seems like it happened within minutes, but obviously it didn't, but then the the tower fall, and, and then the next plane hit the Pentagon, and um, they canceled the tournament. And I just remember being a 15 year old kid at the time, not truly understanding what was going on. You know, I was a sophomore in high school. I didn't really comprehend what was happening. Um, but I'll never forget it. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's frightening because most people thought, uh, you know, it's, it's a big deal when a plane hits a building that most people thought it was an accident. Yeah. And uh, the heartbreak when people were watching the coverage of that first uh, impact of that first plane um, that here comes another plane right into the other one. And it was just amazing. As a matter of fact, I just got chills thinking about it because I had that same feeling when the bombing happened in Kabul a couple of weeks ago and hurt a hundred. I mean, we've been hearing about our military, 13 dead, but there was 170 civilians and, and other people trying to get out of Afghanistan. It's the same feeling I had. It's like, oh my goodness, this is, yeah. this is happening again. It was that same emotion. Um, I, for some reason... I had a knack for taking a vacation when big things happen. And I was actually on vacation and I, I had, I was having flooring installed in my home and, uh, and I'm, I get a phone call from my neighbor and I was asleep phone call. Hey, turn the TV on. So I turned the TV on and I'm watching the first, you know, the, the remains of what's going on with the first impact. And then, like I mentioned, we all noticed the, the other plane coming in. It's just something you don't forget. And the entire day I was there and I was just shocked that, uh, my, my flooring guy actually showed up because I thought the world stopped. Right. Right. And, and I remember he was so upset because, uh, Fairmont park had shut down the ponies for the day because of <laughs> what was going on. And I, I don't know what the situation was, but he worked and he, he continued to, to do the flooring. And my, my then girlfriend at the time, now my wife for many years, she actually uh, was at work and I called her. She knew about it, but their company didn't let out. Like I thought a lot of people did. I talked to a kid, a guy that I work with now. And he said, 
that they were in school. He was in sixth grade and they put it on the TV. And even at this stage of his life, he's like, I don't know why they let kids watch what was going on. It was kind of frightening. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's what they did, but they didn't let him out of school, you know, because everybody was kind of, you know, holding in place to figure out what right. was next, but yeah. yeah. Tough day. But so yeah, it was the moment, like you said, that we'll never forget. And 2,996 <laughs> people died that day. And I, you know, again, like I said, at the time being 15 years old and a sophomore in high school, I didn't realize the impact, what that meant. Um, but you know, follow those following days, it became a surreal moment to think, wow, there's, that's almost 3000 people who aren't going home to their mom or dad, or they're not going home to their kids or their husband or their wife. And you're right. It, 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 it gives me chills thinking about that. Just like to your point when, you know, when the bombing happened just a couple of weeks ago in Afghanistan, it, you know, if, if that doesn't give you chills and then you don't feel some kind of emotion for those people, um, just, it's just hard. It's just very hard. Ryan, the, uh, the skies, I, th- I think that was the biggest change for me is looking up at the skies and seeing absolutely no aircraft in the sky. Yeah. That just, it was just so uh, ominously silent. And, uh, so that was a, that was a big impact impact on me. My father, uh, who served, uh, 24 years in uniform at the United States air force and 23 civil service. He was in civil service at that time. He was actually on a trip to Spain at that time, and they were due to come home like the next day, and they had to wait. They, they stayed put for like five days before they could get a fighter jet escort to take their cargo plane, which they rode in a cargo plane, which is not, <laughs> there's no first class there. Right. But they, but he, he recalls being locked, basically locked in his, his uh, living quarters for five days. They couldn't go to the nightclub, you know, the NCO club, they couldn't go anywhere because the state of the world we just didn't know yeah. but I, i'll tell you what i do miss is uh the patriotism of september 12th 2001 yeah. um we haven't seen that in a long time um we're in a, we're in a stage of flux right now but you know what we're not forgetting we're talking about it right now and i, I don't think we ever should absolutely well you know that brings me to my next point i can remember george bush uh, was obviously president at the time <clears throat> and i can remember him standing on top of the rubble and a firefighter, somebody screaming out saying, you know, we can't hear you. And his response still to this day, if you watch that YouTube video of that, um, gives me chills as his response is, I can hear you. The rest of the world can hear you. And the people who did this will hear us. Um, yeah. That was his response. And to, you know, the, to your point, the way we came together as a country on September 12th and the way it didn't matter whether you were a Republican, it didn't matter whether you were a Democrat, you were an American. And the way we came together as a country, um, it was it was awesome. I mean, I don't know what the better way to put that other than it was just true patriotism, and it was awesome. We were all Americans. We weren't white or black. We were just Americans. And I don't know why we feel so divided in the country now, uh, for the most part, in a lot of sectors. Um, uh, but we do. We do. Um, except when you see a procession like uh, uh, yeah. Lance Corporal. Uh, Jared Schmitz uh, in his procession today from the airport out to uh, Cave Springs, uh, that 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 felt like patriotism at its best to honor that young man. And he wasn't even born when it happened. Right. Right. That's amazing to me. That's yeah. amazing to me. My daughter actually signed up for the uh, for the Army uh, after September 11th. She graduated basic training in September of 2002, and she was shipped off to Iraq um, uh, shortly after that. And so anybody that had the guts to sign up after 9-11, you got, you got my respect. Amen. 
Amen. Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I also want to tell some stories about some heroes on 9-11. And, you know, you and I have done our research on this and I got a story to share. And then I know you got one you want to share as well. But um, when I was doing my research on this, I wanted to tell a story about somebody who, um, you know, wouldn't be considered your everyday hero, but ended up being a hero. You know, they weren't a firefighter that day. They weren't a police officer that day. They were in the military that day. Um, and the story I found, I thought was just an awesome story about a guy named Wells Crowther. And Wells Crowther was a 24-year-old guy who worked um, in the South Tower of the World Trade Center on 9-11. And I'm not going to read the entire details of the story, but I would highly suggest anybody listen to this episode, just Google Wells Crowther. Um, but basically, he called his mom uh, when the South Tower was hit and, and left her voicemail. And I quote, Mom, this is Wells. I want you to know that I'm okay, end quote. Um, and what, what Crowther did at that point was he helped countless victims from the 104th floor or 78th floor. I'm sorry. The, the plane hit on the 104th floor from the 78th floor, helped them escape down the, um, stairwell a, uh, to floor 61 and helped a number of victims down there, gathered them, helped them down the stairwell. And then once he got in the stairwell, the firefighters took him from there and took him down an elevator. And then he turned around and he went back up. And he did it again and came back down and turned around, went back up. And the story has it that um, obviously he, he, he died that day um, helping people out of the building. And his parents never knew what had happened to him. They, they didn't know what happened to him. You know, they got the voicemail that he was OK and then he never came home. And a few years later, the New York Times did an article about some um, victims that he had helped or some people that he had helped. I'm sorry. And they, in, in the article, they didn't know the guy's name. They didn't know who he was. They just kept mentioning that he had a red bandana on, that this gentleman had a red bandana. And as soon as they mentioned that, his mother and father knew exactly who it was because his father had given him this red bandana when he was six years old and told him this was his bandana for play. And he gave him a white bandana that was for show. And so when they were reading this article in the New York Times, they realized what had happened to their son. And so they reached out to these two uh, survivors of 9-11 and had conversations with them and um, ended up being able to find out that Wells was, you know, one of these heroes on 9-11 that helped multiple victims from the 78th floor down to the 61st floor. And his body was eventually found um, in the bottom of the lobby of the South Tower. And he'd actually had a jaws of life tool in his hand when they had found him. Now they don't know if he, they don't know if he was obviously taking the jaws of life tool up or what he was doing, but he was actually a volunteer firefighter in high school. Um, he had always, and then he decided he wanted to work on wall street and he started working on wall street as an investment banker. And just a, what a cool story of somebody who gave, literally gave his life for the, for the, for, for the sake of others and helping others. It, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, there's so many stories um, preparing for this remembrance, I interviewed uh, some Eureka firefighters, uh, Deputy Chief um, Will Stamber uh, Stamberger, and uh, they were training out at Six Flags um, the day of 9-11. Uh, they were working on Mr. Freeze for high angle rescue, and they get the call from the chief says this has happened. They knew about the first plane, didn't know about the second plane. They got word that the uh, second plane had hit by within three hours, Brian, they were on the road to Columbia uh, and they took school buses and their equipment that was all palletized and all this stuff because the call went out and they ended up taking these school buses out to uh, north of Kansas City. 
got on uh, cargo planes, which I mentioned no planes in the skies. There were a few. Uh, Air Force One was one of them. And uh, these military planes within three hours on their way to the East Coast to a McGuire Air Force Base where they staged. And that's wow. truckloads of equipment. I mean, they're, they're ready. It, it gives me chills to think that there are systems in place that we don't even know about. Most Americans, we all know about FEMA, right? But we don't know about all these other underlying processes that are set up. So thanks to all the, para, uh, the paramedics and firefighters that are part of those, uh, you know, those emergency systems. Ryan, the, the story I wanted that really hit me of, of what we talked about was a story about a guy named Rick Rescorla. Uh, he was already a hero in Vietnam. He earned civil, Silver Star and other awards. Um, but he was uh, once immortalized on the cover of the book, We Were Soldiers Once and Young. Well, his story is uh, he would often sing to his men to calm them down while they were under fire using songs of his youth. And many more in the South Tower, uh, South Tower would hear those songs on September 11th because this guy was working as head of uh, corporate security for Morgan Stanley. American flight number 11 hit the tower next to them. Port Authority ordered him and uh, to keep his employees at their desks. And I will quote, he said, I said, piss off, you son of a bitch. He went on to say that uh, his, his uh, friend, Daniel Hill, uh, who was trained in counterterrorism in a phone call that morning, he, he says, quote, everything above where that plane hit is going to collapse and it's going to take the whole building with it. I'm getting my people the fuck out of here. And he went on and he had frequently warned the Port Authority and his company about the World Trade Center security weaknesses. He had already issued the order to evacuate and he made uh, Morgan Stanley employees practice emergency drills for years. And they're probably thinking, this guy's crazy. Why, why would we ever need this? Right. We've all been through those, right. those you know, motions. And it says just 60 minutes after the first plane hit the opposite tower, more than 2,700 employees and visitors were out when the second plane hit their building. And it, during the evacuation, uh, Rick Rescorla uh, calmly reassured people singing God Bless America and another song, Men Harlick, uh, over a bullhorn as they were walking down the stairs. Wow. And if you've ever done heavy work, you know, it seems like it's a whole lot easier when you're, you know, chanting some Eve Ho or whatever. Right. Um, but he said, uh, the story goes on, uh, during the evacuation, he called his wife and said, stop crying. I have to get these people out safely. If something should happen to me, I want you to know I've never been happier. You made my life. He was last seen on the 10th floor of the South Tower, uh, heading upward to look for more uh, stragglers, and his body was never recovered. Um, you know, there's all kinds of stories, so many stories yeah. uh, about that day that, you know, just can't go unmissed. And for people that are watching or listening to your podcast, um, I, 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 I highly encourage you to search on YouTube um, a presentation called Meet Me in the Stairwell. Uh, do, you, do you remember ever hearing that? Yeah. It's a, it's a narration and, and it, it, it's, it's just amazing. This woman was able to call her husband and leave a message. This person was able to call their family. This person called from the plane. It's just magical. It's called Meet Me in the Stairwell. Uh, so if you get a chance, YouTube that. Absolutely. What a cool story about Rick. And just, I mean, to your point, just one of many heroes that were there that day. And, you know, we've had the honor to be able to share two of those today, but um, just a, you know, a, what a hard day that was for everybody in this country, but there were some people like that that need to be recognized. And hopefully we've done our part here tonight. Absolutely. I think, I think that's only, you know, uh, you, you, you got to keep the, the memory alive. Never forget. We got to, we right. got to do that. Right? <laughs> yep. Hashtag never forget. That's what they always say. Let's talk about 
the last 20 years. Let's talk about the war, right? So we, you know, we obviously in um, after 9-11, we invaded Afghanistan. Uh, October 7th, U.S. forces began air campaign strikes in, on the Taliban and Al-Qaeda forces. Then November 13th, the U.S. backed Northern Alliance's forces under Kabul as the Taliban withdrew south. And so on and so on and so on for the last 20 years. I mean, I could read timeline after timeline after timeline about, you know, impacts uh, of the war. But May 1st, 2011 was another date that I can remember where I was at and what I was doing. And that's the day, obviously, Osama bin Laden was killed by a raid by United States forces in Pakistan. Um, do you remember where you were at that day? Uh, I, I was. Um, I was uh, at work. And when the ticker uh, went off, uh, you know, because communication back then was I mean, even even in that year, it wasn't as great as it is today. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I felt like it, it was a victory, but it still didn't pay. Yeah. It still wasn't enough because you knew about Al Qaeda and that they were involved in this. And I'll tell you what, when Afghanistan fell just a couple of weeks ago and the Taliban took over, and ISIS-K, uh, you know, did what they did. And I heard that Al-Qaeda members were, I was like, how in the world, how in the world, because these three groups of people, um, these monsters, although they're not aligned with each other, they're still doing the evil man's work, the evil exactly. work, you know? And so when I heard Al-Qaeda, it was almost like, it was, it was like foreign to me when I heard it just a couple of weeks ago. I thought we were done with that. Right. Well, and I thought we were done with ISIS for, I mean, you know, when President Trump was president, he said ISIS is gone. So I thought they were gone. Um, yeah, you know, I, I remember where I was at when bin Laden, uh, that, that came over the news. And, you know, I, I, felt, I felt good. I was like, finally, I mean, it took us long enough. I mean, but, um, but in the same aspect, I, I also thought, well, we've killed one guy and they've killed how many thousands of our troops and 2,996 people in 2011. And is it ever, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's still, it wasn't a feeling like, you know, thank God. I mean, it was just a, it wasn't a feeling. It wasn't a feeling of victory for me at all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, exactly. You know, it, 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 it was. And then uh, they, you know, threw him overboard, uh, buried him at sea. I guess they did. I mean, to me, I guess they did that for reasons. So there was no place on the planet that, you know, people could go to martyr, uh, right. you know, to, you know, so I get that. But I think, you know, Americans still want to see something. I mean, yeah. I remember seeing Saddam Hussein being hung on a video. Yeah. I, you know, that was horrendous in itself. But I don't know. I, it, yeah. There's a lot of mixed emotions when you think about Osama bin Laden, uh, because look at the damage that's been done that's infiltrated into the school systems. And, the, you know, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of things going on, man. Yeah. Did you ever watch the movie Seal Team 6? Do you ever have you ever seen the movie about his not. killing? No, I have not. It's a good, it's a good movie. It gives you good, good insight on kind of the mission and, and how they went in and, and, and got him. It was, it was very well done. And again, talking about our military and our heroes, uh, SEAL Team 6, I mean, there's nobody better, right? They're the best of the best. And to watch them in this, I mean, obviously it's a movie, so it's, it's not real life, but uh, to watch how that, you know, how that was executed and, um, just again, hats off to our military and all they do for us to keep us safe. You know, as far as, uh, you know, people watching docudramas or stuff like that, you, you do get the gist of it, um, uh, about the, the facts. Um, I, I, I forget the guy who shot him, uh, who, uh, Kenny, uh, what was his name? Oh, this is terrible. Oh, Google. um, 
I've seen him so many times telling his story. And so I, I wanted to go straight to the horse's mouth to, to hear and, and how, you know, when he walked into the, to the building and, you know, he talks about making his way up the stairs and I mean, Robert O'Neill. Well, some, yeah. Robert O'Neill. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and hats off to that American because uh, he had the guts to go and do that with the rest of his, his team. Uh, but for him, to, I wanted to hear him say it. I, I will look up the movie. I, I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Robert O'Neill's uh, YouTube videos I've watched. He's on you know many podcasts as well. Hey, you should get him on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, it is heartbreaking, especially when I saw uh, the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban uh, a couple of weeks ago. The first person I thought of was uh, aside from my father whose military service was you know a, a, a very honorable i thought of todd nicely uh, todd nicely was a, a quad amputee from the area he actually lives just a few miles from me um and i've seen him at several events over the years and that guy lost all of his limbs and i i, I text him you know make sure he was okay and he you know what he said i don't even turn tv on and I thought, you know what? Good for you. Stay yeah. away from it. Newly married, got a brand new baby and, and thriving. And you just, you, you got to worry about those people. You yeah. Know? Well, let's talk about that. You know, um, let's talk about the ending of the war. Um, obviously we lost a lot of troops over there over the last 20 years. We just lost, you know, 13 more here, you know, 10 days ago, 11 days ago, whatever that was. And we lost another, you know, hometown hero here in Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz and you're right. His funeral was today. This episode is going to come out of, on September 11th. But yeah, no, his body arrived today. The funeral is actually not till next week. And they're going to have a private at Jefferson Barracks. Yeah, that's uh, what so I meant. I meant his procession was today from the air. We from, thought the procession was big. Wait till wait till the actual funeral. Uh, well, I'll tell a, you one thing. We uh, you know that you know this, but my wife and I had somewhere we had to be right at 430 tonight. And we were taking 70 um, uh, to the to where we had to go on the the way going towards Winsville, if 70 was still backed up because it was shut down, you know, obviously taking his his body to Bowie Funeral Home on Cave Springs and St. Uh, St. Peter's. But, you know, let's talk about, you know, how that transpired. Let's talk about how, um, you know, we spent 20 years over there and we, you know, we pull out and within what was it, 12 days, 11 days, the Taliban had, had taken over Um and, and you gotta, you got, you know, whether the decision to pull out was right or wrong, we're not going to, I'm not going to sit here and, and we're not going to discuss that, but you got to feel bad for those troops who gave everything over the last 20 years to defend our country and try to help the Afghan um, government to, to, to be something. And then all that within two weeks time is gone. And especially the women and children um, we had a, a, a young lady in our studio who uh, at 15 years old, uh, just five years ago, left Afghanistan uh, as an immigrant, because, you know, with Americans there, they were able to move yeah. around, they could work, they could go to school. And uh, her parents actually came here first, uh, two years before she got here. She lived with her grandparents over there. And she said, even during the last 20 years, because the war was going on all the time, that they knew that Anytime that they walked out of their house, they could be killed. Just knowing that, just knowing that, right? We know it's dangerous uh, to commute to work every day. But to know that there's actually people hunting you down is a whole different perspective. Right. She is here now at uh, Webster University and just a, an adorable lady. She's so worried about these Afghans that are uh, refugees coming out of that area of the, of the world. And a lot of them, they got a thousand of them coming to the St. Louis area. And between the International Institute and Mosaic, 
these organizations are doing everything they can to prepare uh, with jobs and housing and food and healthcare and all that stuff. Uh, these people have no home to go to. And a matter of fact, that was the most heartbreaking thing uh, besides being hunted uh, as a 15 year old child that, uh, that she literally has, she can never go back home. She can never go back to her homeland uh, to see friends. I mean, I think she said most of her immediate family's already here. But what this young lady's doing is a fundraiser to uh, help those, you know, collecting clothing and, and you know, uh, personal hygiene items. So we've already got Afghans here. And I even asked her, I said, you know, the big question, and I don't know if you've heard about this, but uh, the vetting of the people that were climbing onto the plane and getting into the plane, they were just throwing them in the plane, these cargo planes. I've stood, I've stood inside of these cargo planes before. You can play football in these, these cargo planes are so big out at Scott Air Force Base. And, uh, and I asked her, I said, should we be worried? Uh, because the vetting process, it seemed like, was so lax just to get so many people out that could the Taliban have infiltrated or Al-Qaeda, you know, infiltrated just to be, you know, considered a refugee so they could come here, so they could cause damage because they hate the West. They hate, you know, what America stands for or what we don't stand for. And she said, I really don't think so. I really don't think it's something that we need to worry about. That's her personal opinion. Sure. And I, I certainly hope that our State Department is doing the vetting uh, before bringing them here, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something you got to be conscious about. That's for sure. Because you're right. The, the way we were pulling people out, I think what they say, 150 something thousand people came out over those 10 days, 11 days. And um, we got what 50,000 of them here in the United States, you know, the ones are in uh, uh, ally countries, but um, yeah, you just, you got to hope you got to pray, but um, you know, the, I'll tell you, you know, just to kind of end on that note, when I got the news that, you know, there was a suicide bombing and we had lost 13 members of our military, I mean, that hit home, but then it really hit home because I live in Wentzville. Um, and so Mark Schmitz was on, you know, Fox News the other night talking about it. And I've seen him on the local news talking about it. And when when you got someone like that whose family lives in the town that you live in and they lost their son um, over there to this, I mean, it really hits home. Um, so for the last 13 days, I have a, I have a flagpole in my front yard. My flag's been flying at half staff. Um, today would have been today. I think tomorrow's day 13. I have it on a calendar. I mark it off every day. Um, but you know, I'm flying my flag at half staff for 13 days to remember those 13 soldiers that have given literally their life to protect people like you and me. He graduated like two years ago and he's, he was over there, what, a couple of weeks and, and it happened to him. And now again, there were, you know, several more that, that died as well. And I even made the observation of watching this procession from the uh, airport out to Wentzville that this is happening in 13 other cities. Right. You know, it may not be all today, but I mean, just think of the magnitude of just that. Um, it's, it's just it's it's extremely sad. But I, you know what? I'm, I'll tell you why I'm so proud of their parents, the parents that actually said to the president of, of their disgust of his decisions and the way it happened. They, they, you know what? We have freedom of speech although there can be uh, repercussions for freedom of speech in this country, they, you know, got the phone call from the president and he mentioned, you know, he described his phone call, Mark did it, the dad uh, described his phone call saying that uh, uh, President Biden was talking more about his kid, I guess to share uh, that he was relatable. But I want to, I want to point out the fact that a lot of people heard that, that, that the president was talking to Mark about his son and the loss of him. A lot of people think that that's Hunter and that wasn't Hunter. A lot right. of people didn't realize or didn't remember that Bo Biden did serve honorably. He was a politician as well. 
Um, so I, I, I was talking to one friend and they were like, can you believe he would talk about his son and the laptop and all that? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Get another son. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but, but, but that's the problem. We have so much, you know, input coming in that it is, you know, kind of easy to, to forget something. So I just wanted to make that clear, but I was proud of those parents that stood up because if they believed that the decisions were correct, they would have appreciated that phone call from that president. Right. And they, they spoke their mind and I was proud of the ones that I heard about that spoke their mind to them. Yeah. Not that it makes a difference, but. <laughs> well, this time, Bo, I want to take uh, 13 seconds. I want to take a 13 second moment of silence to remember those 13 soldiers um, and, you know, the lives that they gave to protect all of us. Everybody listening to this episode, um, they paid the ultimate sacrifice to keep our country what it is today, keeping us free um, from evil. And so I think it's, you know, it's only honorable for us to take 13 seconds uh, to remember their memory. I agree. Thank you. Well, but let's end um, on a positive note and let's talk about how we as a country and a community here in St. Louis can come together. Um, you know, 20 years later, you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of division going on in our country right now. And I think, you know, we need to try to find some common ground and come together as, as Americans. And you, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you talked about how we as St. Louis came together for Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz and how, um, if you saw the news today in 70, how it was lined with cars and flags and, and people. And, and to your point, when he has his actual funeral um, out of Jefferson Barracks, I'm sure it'll be the same way. How do you tell me, what do you think? How do we as a country come together like that? How do we come together like we did on, on September 12th? How do we do that as a country? You know, I, I think that uh, with all of the input that because of our phones and our computers and the television, all these things that we hear, our social media that's supposed to bring us all together seems to divide us. I think we have to remember one thing more. Well, we need to remember a couple of things. One thing that God is present. I truly feel that in my heart that God is present. We can't give up hope. Amen. Number two, you can believe what you want politically. Um, Democrats and, and Republicans are as different as cats and dogs. They're as different as men and women. But we have to remember, if you're left-wing or right-wing, we are both part of the same bird. We have to remember, you know, I pray for our president every single night. I pray for wisdom for him. I pray for strength for him. He was the one that the people put in office to lead. And we have to remember that we want the best for this country. And we are part of the same bird, the American Eagle in my mind. Um, but we have to remember that. Uh, and I, you know, yes, you're gonna have the far left and the far right, but I, I, I like a country that can be a, a little bit closer to, to, the, to the body of the bird so we can work together through these things. We're coming up on some challenges that we have never ever dealt with before, yeah. not in a hundred years. And we have to remember that, you know, the goal, as I mentioned, the young lady from Afghanistan, she's 21 years old, 20 years old right now. I mean, it was a fantasy, just the idea that she could come to America and she was able to do that. This we have we have a great opportunity that that we can that we can really 
move forward with. And maybe, maybe, you know, the tragedy of these 13 military, um, you know, has brought some of us together. I think we, I think we just need to remember, we need to keep praying. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't say it better myself. I think to your point, um, whether you're Republican or whether you're Democrat, you got to respect other people's opinion. You don't have to agree with it, but you don't have to be nasty about it. You just got to respect it. And I think to your point, keeping God on your heart, um, I think if you can do that, you'll be respectful of other people's opinion. And so I, uh, I couldn't say it better myself. And I will tell you, I, I appreciate you coming on here tonight, you know, to do this special episode with me to remember, you know, uh, 20 years and, and nine 11. Um, this has been fun. It's been a, a great, great time. And I appreciate what you're doing here in St. Louis to, to help bring us together as a, as a community and in St. Louis talks, I highly suggest anybody listening to this episode, check them out on KMOX St. Louis talks, uh, Facebook, Bo Matthews. You can find him on there as well. So Bo, on behalf of myself and the STLers podcast, I appreciate your time tonight. I'll tell you what, it has been a true honor, Brian, and I'm so happy for you and your family, your growing family. And, um, uh, just keep on keeping on, man. You're doing a great job with this podcast and, um, who, I, I can't wait to find out who you got coming up next. I, I'm seriously, it's, it's, it's really cool because there are so many great leaders. You can pray for the leader of this country, but we got to start at home. You got to be a good leader in your household. Amen. You got to be a good leader. You got to be the best you are at work. You got all these things. You know, you can start with yourself. So, uh, I'll keep you in my prayers, Brian. And thank you very much for having me on the podcast again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ST leaders podcast and a special Thank you to Bo Matthews for helping me co-host this 9-11 memorial episode. I hope you'll take the time today to remember those who sacrificed everything on 9-11 and for the last 20 years to protect our country, to give us the freedoms that we have, and to be able to live the life that we're able to live. I hope you will catch us next week as we are joined by Tara Kinney on the STL Leaders Podcast.